Hey there, my name is Vosh. I live stream on YouTube and sometimes, accidentally, in spite of myself, something funny or interesting happens. This is Previously Live. Hello? Hello? Howdy! Hey! How All are right. you doing? Let me just make sure uh, my program's capturing both of us. Oh, I'm not putting my camera on. I look like crap right now. I'm not oh, I, just, I was just talking about the audio. Oh, yeah, okay. Seems... okay. So, yeah. Hey, how you doing? Pretty good. How about you? Pretty good. Anyway, I just heard that um, from some of my stream viewers that you were talking about a video I did recently yeah. and had some concerns. So I was just uh, wondering if you wanted yeah, to talk was, about that. Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. So I don't know if you caught any of what I was saying, but um, I was looking at the crystal ball. Uh, video. Mm -hmm. Not the one you did today. I didn't get a chance to see that. So maybe you've already addressed what I'm talking about here. I probably doubled down on what I was talking about earlier, if anything. But yeah. Hit okay. It okay. So basically, um, all right. So let me see how I'm going to fucking phrase this here. All right. So you're talking about class reduction. Okay. So wait, let's just, let's start with Tucker Carlson. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I've done the Tucker Carlson retweet thing when he says something I like. Mm hmm. Now I understand your. Let me let me make sure I understand your position on this. Mm -hmm. So, your position on that would be like, okay, Tucker Carlson's a grifter. Tucker Carlson's a fraud. Mm -hmm. Tucker Carlson's a white supremacist. Yeah. So, you, you when I retweet, I'm platforming it because it's like he has an agenda behind him saying this stuff, like a fake populist agenda. To an extent, yeah. You you would be signal boosting the the grift, right. I suppose. Okay. Well, is that the main, well, what's the, okay, so you, you seem like that's kind of like maybe not the main thrust of what you're saying. So maybe I don't really get it. I think, um, I think it's kind of an emergent thing. So when it comes to Tucker Carlson, uh, here's an example. Do you know Hassan Piker? Yes, I follow him on Twitter. Yeah, he, he's a very, very large public figure. Massive, mm -hmm. largest left-leaning political streamer in the English-speaking world. Huge online presence. And right. Hassan Piker has done this uh, a fair number of times, too. He's done this, um... He's done this, uh, wow, guys, Tucker Carlson said he was actually pretty based sort of thing. And I, right. I, I you know, I, I suppose I'm not particularly happy about that, but I would never call Hassan like a, a grifter or like enabling white supremacy or anything like that. My main issue is that Crystal Ball's occasional adulations right. of Tucker Carlson fit within a broader pattern of gotcha. her promoting this sort of like, hey, I don't agree with everything they say, but at least there are some conservatives so, on the right side economically, and that can lead I, to some really dangerous outcomes. I just want to make it clear. I don't, uh, I'm not here to defend Crystal Ball or to side with her. Uh, I mean, or, or to like side with you against her, because mm -hmm. I don't really know anything about her. I don't watch her shit. I've caught like a little bit of it, but she seems way too like, and this is not like a political judgment. This is just a me internally, like I don't like the presentation. Kind of thing like i just she just doesn't resonate with me i think that she wears like these really ridiculous like exaggerated shoulder pad kind of shit that I, i'm just not you into. you don't like it. the 1980s like business yeah, mom I mean, it looks like a fashion disaster kind of thing going on so i'm just kind of like all right whatever i'm not it's not my thing so i'm not really trying to defend her but i'm there's some of the class reductionist stuff that i hear and i'm like okay that kind of i feel like that could kind of apply to me so i get a little defensive about mm -hmm. it but so the tucker carlson thing i've done it 
I feel like when I, when I do it, my intention behind it is not so much like this wide eyed, naive, like, wow, Tucker agrees with me on this, even though we disagree on so much, we agree on this thing. My thing with it is like, okay, even Tucker Carlson is saying this. I can show this to some right-wingers that are A, in my audience, B, in my family, and say like, look, even Tucker has to fucking come around on this shit. Uh, so it's almost like that kind of thing mm-hmm. um, where it's like, okay, if he has, if he's saying something that's populist, whether I think he's sincere or not, and I happen to think he's not, you know, and I mean, I think that, you know, I mean, we've seen stuff and you know, we've seen him basically admit that it's, he's not. So, I mean, there's really not even much of a debate there to be had. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like, you know, I can still use it to bolster a fucking a left-wing populist case to people who are on the right, who already, respect tucker carlson for whatever reason yeah i think uh, that's like do you think that's like playing with fire or like it is it is playing with fire but sometimes playing with fire can be really awesome i think that's acceptable in certain contexts my main issue is that um okay this sounds like a weird thing for me to say as a socialist but the um existence of modern day corporations is mm-hmm. in some ways uh very helpful to the interests of progressive people um this is one of the reasons why corporations are usually so quick to do this this facile like pretense of progressivism when they claim to support black lives matter or claim to support gay rights or what have you corporations mm-hmm. make more money the larger a uh, base they appeal to the more people who they believe they can reach out to the more money they make so there's a sort of classist equilibrium that forms when corporations are um in in part uh able to control cultural discourse they profit the most from egalitarianism at least now at least in this current era and my issue is very often when right-leaning people criticize corporations they're doing it not in the pursuit of equality even economic equality but because they believe those corporations are responsible for pushing that social progressivism, which is why fascists are very often anti-corporate, at least in speech, because corporations are the driving force behind our immigration policy, in large part, and they don't like the fact that corporations kowtow to what they call this, this cultural Marxism, this, you know, this, this, this social egalitarianism. So my main criticism, I guess, my main worry is that when we see people like Tucker Carlson spewing anti-corporatist takes, and we say like, hey, even he agrees, the right-leaning people who catch on to that might think like, oh yeah? Hey, me too. Hmm, yeah, I don't like corporations very much and the things they do. But they're not thinking of worker inequality. They're thinking of that, that projected veneer of social progressivism. And I mean, if you go in any fascist circle online, you will find a lot of anti-corporate sentiment. I guess it can just go in a lot of directions. I get really nervous. It's just a really tumultuous time online, you know? I guess, like, the thing about it is, too, like, okay, so uh, I was talking about this because you had, like, this thing where you're talking about um, uh, Crystal Ball and uh, whatever her boring co-host name is um, doing, like, the... uh, I don't even know. I don't know. Take them out of it. Fuck fuck them. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it was about the... uh, Okay, so you kind of like, okay, so uh, here is on one hand the like BLM id poll kind of 
interest in, you know, racial equality and progressivism and shit. Mm-hmm. And here on the other hand is like the classes, the class struggle shit. And I think that the accusation being levied at people who are, you're, you're saying are class reductionist is like, you know, they, they look at the class reductionist stuff and they say, Oh, like they almost look at like the progressive stuff is like, Oh, that's a hindrance to it or whatever. Like, I don't, we don't, we, we I don't want to fight that battle. The class struggle is all that really matters. Right. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I feel like, at least, uh, you know, I've, I've been labeled a class reductionist before. And I feel like my position on it is that there's a lot of, you know, racial problems in this country that could be solved with a class. Like if you address some of the class problems, you inadvertently address some of those race issues. Right. Uh, sure. Like what? Okay. So like an example I gave earlier in my stream, when I was talking about, um, poverty in the Mm -hmm. black community, you know, I was talking about, okay, so should you have an, like, if you're going to solve black poverty, right, doesn't it make more sense to attack poverty in general, rather than doing like a reparation style approach that's tailored to the black community, just because like, not because you can still acknowledge like, hey, the black community is like, what, like, is like 25% poverty in the black community versus like 10% in the white community or something like that. You can still acknowledge that disparity. But just as a negative piece of legislation that uh, negatively impacts poverty is going to disproportionately uh, harm black people, a piece of legislation that fights against poverty and helps lift people out of poverty is going to disproportionately affect black people, even though it's not a racialized approach. Um, yeah, I think that for the most part, if reparations were to be done in this community, it, or and sorry, in this country, it would probably be better to target it based on income than by race. But I do think there are, um, there are certain issues in our country that can't really be addressed with a race-neutral approach. Like, I, I for example, like uh, the criminal justice system. If you, right. go through, if you go through all the numbers, the, the plurality of evidence very clearly indicates a disparity which is definitively racialized and not right. at all based on class. There's no real way to, like, well, what if we address these other characteristics that, but when it comes to like issues where there's like a the very, deep... you know, there is a solution, by the way, I'm sorry. Uh, there is a solution on the disproportionate uh, drug arrest issue. Not, not, not the, not the entirety of the criminal justice system, but on drugs, there is a, there is a solution. What's That's that? Legalize all drugs. Oh, oh yeah. Hey, hey, listen, hey, listen to me. Okay. You don't need to tell me twice. Okay. You don't need to sell <laughs> me on that. The, um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. With, with regards to that, I'm not, I'm generally not of the opinion that um, my my general argument is that I don't I don't think class and race issues are in any way, shape, or form uh, mutually exclusive. In fact, if I go back through the history of this country, very often it is the people, it is the racism, it is the exclusion of the interests of people of color that has actually hamstrung the interests of workers um, time and time again. The easiest example of this is back in the early twentieth century. You know. All these unions were trying to strike to protest the horrible conditions of their factories and what have you. The thing was, unions wouldn't let black folk in, or at least most of them wouldn't. Why would they? They hated black folk. Black black folk. So when they strike, the black people just do the work. Why the fuck would the black people risk their hides on a strike that they're not benefiting from? So right. the so my my argument fundamentally is when people look at like the Black Lives Matter movement. 
Um, this isn't a movement which is in any way, shape, or form antithetical to class, you know, um, uh, uh, class warfare in this country. If anything, given the fact that black people are more amicable to the idea of socialism than white people, I would argue that the two are pretty inexorably intertwined. So for people to look at Black Lives Matter and sneer at it and say it's a distraction from the real issues, I feel like they're, I feel like they don't actually care about pushing the the class benefits. I just. I think they're just trying to signal to a conservative audience that they're one of the cool lefties. And that's the feeling that I get from Crystal Ball. You're not actually helping anyone. You're just right. appealing to a given demographic. Yeah. Uh, I, I, like I said, I have, I have virtually no knowledge of, of her or what she does. So I can't really, uh, if there's a defense against her, it's not for me to make. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I'm just trying to defend maybe, I mean, my own positions on this stuff. And I, I would agree that, you know, like, obviously, uh, if you're going to have a notion like uh, solidarity, which is what, you know, my friend Paul's always uh, preaching about, mm-hmm. then, uh, you know, obviously, if you if you have exclusion based on race, then you can't truly have any sort of successful solidarity at that point. Mm-hmm. So let me maybe pivot to something else that is kind of on that same solidarity line. And I don't know how long you have to talk, but um, I just want to ask you, mm-hmm. um, so if you have ultimately, hey, it's the agenda of the left to dismantle these corporate structures or at least radically transform how they they operate. Um, you know, you want to do the worker co-op thing and other people would rather just, you know, just dispense with them in general. Right. right. Um, but, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be, it's either radical transformation or, you know, uh, abolition that's that's, you know, being, you know, propagated on the left. So if there's people on the right who hate corporate america for other reasons whether it be like it's all run by the jews or whatever the fuck they think like you know is there is there inherent harm in trying to get together on that issue despite the very different aims because i don't feel i feel like there's been plenty of times in history where people have gotten together for a similar cause with very different aims in their head you know and it's like hey you know maybe tomorrow we're going to be enemies but today we're working together on this like, was there really, like, what's the problem with that? I'm a really, really big fan of tactical unity. Um, this is something a lot of lefties struggle with. The idea that we should be able to work with people we disagree with as long as we have a common goal. Um, so with regards to, like... Uh, um, Why not in this instance, then? Liberals for, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'll, you know, I'll work on, on stuff like that. My main issue is that I don't actually think I have a common goal with anti-corporate fascists. Um, right. because I don't think any of the prescriptions that I believe in are prescriptions they would agree to. Now, if I th- say, for example, that I was arguing against misogyny and mm-hmm. I was with, um, I was arguing with, um, a turf or something like right. that. I could yeah. maybe make some arguments in common with them. Turfs often ostensibly care about misogyny, at least when it's directed at cisgender people. Um, and I, even if I think their general views are deplorable, but when it comes to fascists, I don't think, like, what specific prescriptions do we have? Tucker Carlson never actually advocates for meaningful solutions. Um, Tucker Carlson will often lambast the greed of the corporate class. But then does Tucker Carlson actually push for higher tax rates? Does Tucker Carlson actually push for a crackdown on corporate corruption, knowing perfectly well that would indict the billionaires he serves? He directs populist anger against these groups. But I do not think that his solutions or the solutions of his followers would align with mine at any point. If I could get with a, a far-right populist and get them to agree with worker co-ops, I would agree with that. But sharing a solution is not the same as sharing a common enemy. And that, I think, is the fundamental difference, at least for me. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, I feel like that addresses most of the stuff I brought up then. I just wanted oh. to talk to you, man. I missed you. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I missed you too, Vosh. Um, no, but that, that pretty much addresses the stuff that I was bringing up in terms of like contentions. And I wasn't, sh I mean, I was really just looking for clarifications on this stuff. And I feel like you provided them to my satisfaction here. Um, maybe I could just, I don't know if you want to, if you want to stick around, I could ask you a few more questions about stuff that's totally unrelated to what I was talking about earlier, but still yeah, has been on. Yeah, wait, I'd love to talk. Yeah. I got streamed for another uh, 15 minutes before it's my designated order fast food on Postmates time. So yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd love to. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. So, um, all right. So let me just, here's the thing. Uh, this is totally fucking in a, a totally different direction, but, um, I've seen you describe yourself as an anarchist like a thousand times. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, now I've never really heard you get too in depth on it. And I know that you've, I've heard you actually say like, you know, there's a reason for that because it's like, you feel like it's so far off or whatever the conditions are, you know, so out of line with what's going on right now. But here's the thing about me. Mm -hmm. I am, uh, I have a pathological aversion to any form of authority. I despise being told what to do. Um, and I would really, I, the idea that we could get along without a government of, of some sort or a state at the very least. Um, very appealing to me, but I don't necessarily see the practical reality of it. I guess I'm, I guess it's hard for me to even conceive of like even a far future world where that exists. So maybe you could just tell me like, what's convinced you because I want to be convinced. I want to fucking, I want to go around and fucking say I'm an anarchist. I want to fucking spray paint uh, A's in circles on things. So I, I get really hesitant talking about anarchism. My general argument has always been that I think we're in order for anarchism to really succeed, it would need to be global. If America, as it exists now, just became an anarchist society, the right. the yeah, the shift in like geopolitical relations would not be in our favor. It would have to be like a global movement. And I feel like we're so far away from that that by the time it becomes viable, the material conditions of our of our planet will be so different our society, our technology, fuck, maybe even our language and our culture would be so different. I don't even know, like anything I say now would be uh, obsolete right. in the future. But to sell you on the idea, I'm not anti-government. I love government. Government is 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 intrinsic to human organization. A, a two-parent household is a government of two people. Right. That's not why I, I, I changed it to state. Right, uh, right. But yeah. the state, the this is sort of... um. Maybe maybe this is a bit of an esoteric example, but this is how I like to think about it. Um, prior to the arrival of Columbus, there were about 10 to 15 million Native Americans across the breadth of North America, and about 30 million in South America. There were more there, I, I think. I think due to, like, crop reasons. Um, and with the exception of the empires that cropped up, which were almost all in the South American region, um, these were mostly tribal societies that got along through a, basically a de facto confederacy of interconnected tribes where leaders would meet together and delegate decisions to broader communities. Um, and what they had kind of functionally was a giant commune. Now, it, w it wasn't what we would argue for because they had hereditary chiefs for the most part and they had a deeply spiritual, like superstitious system and very obviously like modernity was not present, but they were able to function at a very large scale with nothing even remotely resembling what we understand as a state. And I'd like to believe that it's possible to scale up that example um, 
even with like modern technological and social uh, requirements, like our, our modern expectation for how society is supposed to run. Hmm. I know that's a very, very vague opening argument. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's such thought, a broad uh, topic, you know? I, I really, I'm not convinced, but I hope you're fucking right. Because I really do think a stateless society, if it could be feasible, would be amazing. Um, simply because like, I, I just feel like there's so many, so many of the problems of our society are so intrinsic to like hierarchical struggles and shit. Uh, but I just don't know how you fucking... I feel like that's so intrinsic to human beings. I don't know how you get that out. Um, you know, as, as, I don't know. Maybe some. How, how do you feel about transhumanism, Vosh? I'm pretty. I'm fuck flesh. I mean, if, as long as long as the conditions for transhumanism aren't gate kept behind wealth, so it's not like all the wealthy people get to live a thousand years and they have the giant right. dicks, and we have to. I imagine that there. I imagine that at least initially it would be. But you yeah, know, like yeah. like most technologies, it seems to kind of filter its way down. But yeah, I would I would hope that uh, maybe we'd be past this like ultra capitalistic paradigm by the time it starts to come about. We could hope because I mean, holy shit, right? Can you imagine if we were ruled over by like corporate technocrats who are literally immortal? Like if they die, their neural network just gets reuploaded into another immortal body. Like we like yeah. this revolutionary <laughs> conditions preclude the the idea that all humans can be killed. I think this or like at least premise of altered carbon, by the way. Yeah, I've um, never seen the show, but I read the book and it, yeah. What is the largest human organization you believe could exist in a stable sense without a state? <sighs> okay, that's an interesting question. Um. So like present paradigm? Yeah, like right right now, like if you imagine like of all the organizations we have in this country from a city to a state to a county level whatever, like when you think of all those organizations, what is the largest one you think that could function without like an overarching like an overriding state apparatus? Like it would just operate independently through its own internal structures. Um Okay, so I guess it's going to maybe a small town Maybe a large town. I don't know. Probably not. A, probably not a small city. Uh, I don't know. I've never fucking given it much thought. But um, yeah, I would say my gut instinct would be to say like a like a town of like five hundred to a thousand people, maybe. What conditions would change between a town of that size and a larger one to make the former viable and the latter non-viable? Um, I think that when you, here's the thing, I think it really kind of splits it off for me is like when you get to that level where you stop knowing everyone in the town, mm -hmm. I think that maybe that's like the cutoff point for me. Um, I think that, you know, when you have the ability to dehumanize certain people, um, maybe that's when like the hierarchical stuff kind of kicks into high gear. I think that maybe if you view everyone in the town as like, we're all in this together and we're all brothers and all this other stuff. But like, once you get to the point, like the level where like othering becomes, you know, possible, which I guess it's definitely possible at lower levels, but I think at a certain level, it becomes more, way more likely to happen. Like mm -hmm. the more, the larger the group of people, the more kind of othering and pseudo speciation will take place. Right. So I think that maybe that would be the, 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 the thing that would change materially. What about, um, what if you could take a couple of those small towns and have them sort of um, confederate? If you had four or five of them in a shared area, maybe connected by a, an overall okay. highway. Okay. Yeah, something. yeah, yeah. So, like, basically, like, uh, 
everyone's in like a group of like whatever the minimal amount right, is. You have, so, so the internal organizations are preserved, but then for larger things, or maybe for like a firm or two, like maybe there's um maybe right. there's a really large mill that needs like a larger number of resources than one small town could provide. So you have like economic uh, organization that supersedes the small town, but people still mostly keep it their small communities. Do you think that would be a functional system conceivably? <sighs> Yeah, I mean, uh, conceivably, I do still worry that, you know, like, hey, we, you know, we're this confederation of, you know, city states or whatever the fuck. Um, I do kind of worry that eventually it's going to like one city state's going to be like, man, did you hear what they're they're doing over in fucking city state 22B? Mm -hmm. Sick fucks. We should go kill them. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Um, the hope would be, though, much in the same way that even in even in communities without police back in the tribal days people didn't go right. randomly killing their others that there would be a social preclusion from engaging in that behavior nobody well, would I, want to trade I with a city state that engaged in that kind of behavior you know that's true i could be wrong about this but i do believe the murder rate in tribal societies was really high i think it was mostly intra tribal between different right. tribes right uh, that okay, that could be the case. My understanding, and maybe I'm wrong about this. No, I could be wrong. I'm, I'm actually the guy that I heard this from, Howard Blum, is kind of a crackpot. I don't know if you know, you're familiar with him at all. Um, but uh, he uh, he's a he's kind of like a totally zany sort of like guy. He's written some books, uh, Loose for Principle, Global Brain, some other stuff. But he's kind of zany. And uh, one of the things he said, I think he told me that like the murder rates, like you know, within a, a different, within a particular tribe, we're like 25% or some crazy high number. Um, but I have, I've never actually tried to verify that as a fact. So I don't know. That could very um, well be the case. And I'd be willing to acknowledge that as a, I guess, a concession on my part then. But do I, you... I, have, I mean, I'm, this is just like, Hey, a guy told me once. So right, 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 right. Of course. And, and I just tried quick Googling it and I instantly was confronted with a body of research that it would take me like a day to go through. But so well. even with that being left aside, would you agree though, that there are systems of social and economic incentivization that would discourage that kind of antisocial behavior amidst these city, uh, these, these sure. I mean, like, and we see that, we see that kind of stuff in place to some extent in our own, you know, in, in, in our own country and shit. Yeah. Anyway. And, and it's I mean, why there's I mean, so like, yeah, everything is like, we kind of already have this to some extent where it's like, you know, everything's kind of chopped up into, okay, you know, you got your, your, you know, your block and then you got your city and then you got your, you know, uh, state and then your country and your planet and all this other stuff. So, I mean, yeah. like people already kind of have this sort of, you and know, back in, back in the, um, Back during the beginning of the country, back when we had no federal government, but just 13 states that operated pretty much like a confederacy, though there was bickering, um, there weren't like invasions between these different states. My main argument, right. and I'm, I'm leading really hard here, and I apologize for that. My main yeah. argument is, I agree with you. I don't think humans work that well at very high levels of organization. The, the level of abstraction that goes on at the, the, the uppermost end of our... Um, of our government, like the idea of a presidency ruling over a third of a billion people, fucking crazy, you know? But I do believe that it's possible to have these overlapping systems of local organization that eventually coalesce into like a confederated broader whole. If you can have one city that works well together, I think it's possible to economically link a bunch of smaller cities that work well together or to divide larger cities into small, politically distinct blocks that vote on their own issues, but then those representatives vote on larger issues that affect the entire megacity, and then together they broader community and so on. Essentially, um, I think that the, the 
key to a stateless society that is functional and just is to flatten the hierarchy and to um, individualize and localize the political organization. I would hope that technology would take us away from that necessarily geographic approach, though, maybe. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. Ideally, if we could have a more abstracted or more efficient system of division, that would be preferable. Um, I'm just using more of like the simple, like, how do you confederate from the bottom up? But that's the argument I've been given. I haven't read much on anarchist shit. And I, as my chat is reminding me, I know my history isn't that good because there was there was fighting between the 13 states before the federal government kicked that shit in line. But okay. I, I do know there are arguments to be made here. So that's the hope that I have. I, and, I, and I think it would be healthier for people too. I think it's healthier for people to give a shit about their local mayor, their local municipalities, their local fucking, you know, civic system than it is for everyone to be freaking out about the presidency and ignoring everything that goes into their town and its construction. I would agree with that to some extent, but like, I just, I do feel like the tyranny of geography to some extent in that stuff, because, you know, I, I live in a place where, you know, the idea that, you know, I could change anything that's going on here. I feel like it's pretty ridiculous because I'm so fucking at odds with uh, the general mentality of my area. Um, and then it's like, well, I could move to another area, but then, you know, the air, then this area is just a, a little bit more conservative so it's like oh well, i mean it would never work in our current society because right i'm right. pretty sure right now if we had an anarchist confederation at least a third of the landmass of the united states would be made slaved again like it would be a <laughs> it would go back to being a slave state they all uh, consented to be slaves yeah they all hey listen the black folk could have left contracts. alabama subsection 28c if they wanted to but they didn't and now they're property sorry um <laughs> hey listen I mean, I'm pushing for socialism now. Universe or something, right? Right. In a hundred or two hundred years or whatever, um, way, way, way down the line, if all of this ends up being unviable, fucking fine. I'm not that emotionally attached to the labels. I'm just emotionally attached to the pursuit of means by which I think we can effectively reduce hierarchy. Right now, I know what co-ops. Yeah, there's a pretty solid chance you won't be alive in 200 years. But you know, hey, hey, transhumanism, buddy. Humanism, it's always that lifeline, right? Yeah, yeah, you don't know. Streaming's been going well for me. Maybe I'll be able to get my fucking mecha cock. Um, That's true. Yeah, and I mean, like, and uh, thanks to the uh, the trans people who are trailblazing, because really, you guys are the first wave. I don't know if you all know it, but uh, you're the first wave of transhumanists. They are so fucking. Do I? I'm not. I'm not simping for them or whatever right now. But if you ever look at those, like I think it's called like trans timelines on Reddit or something like that. These side by side pics, like. Hey, here's me in 2016, and it's like a giant gruff dude, like looks like one of us. And here's me in 2020, and it's the the lith, just hairless, like completely transformed, fucking you know, like femme girl or whatever. Um, I I love that we can change our bodies. Fuck biological essentialism. What we get one life, you know? Yeah, I mean, I just uh, I'm looking forward to when shit gets truly crazy, and I'm looking forward to the backlash to it too. I'm like. Oh my God, these, I just, I feel, I see these conservatives and shit like, oh my God, you know, that she was born a man, but now identifies as a woman. It's like, okay, okay. Yeah, but uh, you guys are going to love when there's like centaurs running around and shit. Like I am a cyber centaur with a fucking 18 inch mega hydraulic cock that, you know. It's yeah, like, fuck yeah, you absolutely. Guys you guys are not ready. You guys Search are that not shit on fucking Tinder. You have that. You have gender select, age range, and then you have like genitalia transformations. And you just swipe through a bunch of fucking clip art cartoon pictures of like various configurations. 
Um, here's the tentacle dick, you know. Um, a lot of variety. Guys, the conservatives are not going to like the future. It's not going to be. It's not going to be their favorite. No, we're 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 doing pretty good. I mean, it's pretty cool that like at least with regards to trans people, most Americans didn't know what a trans people was like 10, 15 years ago. And now like public acceptance, I don't know. Just, it feels like things move so fast these days. I'm not saying the fight's done. It's just pretty cool. Oh, this is just, this is like such a fucking nascent phase of like, <laughs> like transhumanist fucking, I mean, like I, 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 I'm, I've, I know, I know a bunch of trans people and I fucking ask them all the time. Like you realize you guys are like the first wave of transhumanism. Right. And like, I'm surprised by how many of them don't really realize that, but uh, they totally are. I mean, I don't think we're going to realize it either, right? When we, because transhumanist is such a sci-fi term, but when you, when, when people actually start getting like CRISPR gene modifications to like tighten up their skin, or when people actually start getting like genetic height, like extenders or shit like that, people are just going to think that they're doing these simple cosmetic surgeries to improve their life. I think one of these days we're just going to wake up and realize that you know the biodiversity of the human population is quadrupled um due, due to fuckery and we all have robococks and we never really realized what we were doing yeah pretty big i love it i love it myself um all right so um i know you gotta go did want to maybe bring up one last thing with you if you have a moment yeah sure i have a moment okay so uh i was watching your stream with paul and I saw that when Paul mentioned that I was a high school dropout, I saw your eye, I saw your eyebrows go whoop. I don't know. You can't see me, but they went whoop. Mm -hmm. You have to fucking uh, imagine what, what uh, your eyebrows did. Um, so what was that eyebrow raise about, huh? Why um, are you so pissed? <laughs> no, it, no, that actually is it. I was raised in a really privileged environment in a very nice school. Um, I don't, I have never interacted with a person who dropped out of high school. I don't have any like conformed preconceptions about the behavior of such people. You know, I'm not stupid enough to believe that there's a meaningful distinction there, but just from an instinctive reaction. Yeah. That's, it's definitely like a product of classism, you know? Yeah. Oh, I, okay. I won't deny that. No, 100%. Yeah. You check, can check your fucking privilege. My bitch. girlfriend makes so jokes fun. about that with homeless people too. Like I get really <laughs> uncomfortable too, but it's, it's something to work on. Right. I mean, I, I acknowledge it. It's something that I can, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for uh, uh, checking my privilege. I, I do apologize by the way, if there's an implied insult there, it's just, uh, I guess. No, I, I, didn't, the... I didn't care. I was just, uh, I was just curious. <clears throat> um, no, I mean, uh, I think uh, education, I mean, so to me, um, I don't want, there was, so the reason I, com I didn't complete high school was not a matter of uh, like a lack of, 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 of privilege or whatever, because I didn't come from a, a poor family or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, I was just psychologically unsuited to the environment of um, uh, school. Um, so like it was causing me, like profound emotional distress to be in that sort of like regimented controlled environment. And I had to get out. Um, and also I, um, I found it impossible to comply. Maybe it wasn't impossible. That might be an overstatement, but I found it very difficult to comply with the, like the, the focus, the focus learning they were trying to get me to do. Um, so like my thing was I would spend my classes, uh, writing terrible 
goth poetry in notebooks, <laughs> like when I was supposed to be doing my schoolwork, um, drawing or like sitting there, like they're tr the teacher's trying to teach me something, but I'm like reading um, like Nietzsche or like Lords of Chaos or Preacher or some shit. Um, so yeah, I just was maladapted to that environment, I guess. So it really, I can't really claim it was like a lack of privilege and I can't really say I regret it, but oh. at the same time, I kind of worry that maybe like the fact that I quit school and it worked fine for me, at least so far, like maybe that's not, maybe that's a bad example for others or whatever. Cause I do have some young uh, audience members and shit. So well, I don't know. I just want to say neurotypicality is also a privilege. I think that people who are able to work within our school system and feel comfortable in that environment and not have it destroy their mental health, I absolutely think that's a form of privilege. Mm. Um, I'm not, not to say like, like it's mental illness or anything. I'm just saying like the ability to conform to the, the rigors necessary to function in that environment, I think is, is I, I'm not going to, I'm not, I won't deny for a second. I lack that shit. So yeah. I just do. I, cause I mean, I was never particularly good at school. Um, but I, there were certain parts of it that, that I liked so much that it kind of, uh, compensated for it. Um, you know, it was ridiculous. I, was able to balance okay, that I don't mean to interrupt what you're saying. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Go on. I was just, Oh, I was just going to say that like, um, like, you know, it was ridiculous cause my, I didn't want to fucking participate in school. So there, but there were things I extracurricularly I wanted to do. Like I wanted to join the debate club um, and they wanted me because they did like a little debate thing in class. And I was able to convince like pretty much the entire class that flag burning is okay when they all started off thinking it's wrong. Good. Um, so like I was obviously very persuasive and stuff and it was, it felt good to argue that stuff. And I mean, you, I, I know, you know, all about debate. But um, they wouldn't let me in the debate club because my fucking GPA wasn't high enough. So it's like the moment I try to be engaged, I find this like institutional blockade like, nope. So one of the things I'm really interested in, like conceptually, is improving our educational system, not just pouring more money into it or getting lower class sizes or any of that bullshit. But there's a lot of really compelling data out there that the way we run school right now, like is, is fundamentally broken. It's, it's, it's insane because, like, when it comes to other forms of human improvement, like, say, sports regiments, you know, like, how do you make a human strong? How do you make them fast? We have this down to a fucking science. We have, been, we have dedicated an obscene amount of money and time to refining the, the absolute greatest possible degree of fidelity we can get out of the human body. It's very easy for us to do that. For some reason, we're very dedicated to it. But for the schooling system, what's that one quote? If we were to take a man from the 1860s and pull them into the modern era, the only thing they would recognize is the schooling system. It's <laughs> Finland doesn't have homework, for example. The data indicates that homework doesn't improve test scores. It just doesn't. It, it doesn't in any way, shape, or form. It's just not good. You shouldn't do it. The fact that we continue to do it in the absence of this, you know, available evidence for its beneficial outcomes is, I don't know, it, it makes me kind of sad, actually. It's supposed to be really yeah. It's tr it's tradition. It's it's all, but that's always the fucking fallback for everything in this country. It's like we've always done it that way. It's like who gives a fuck? Fuck that. That's the stupidest argument for anything. Literally the most important civic institution in the country, outside like the the yeah yeah outside maybe I don't know, the fire department maybe I don't know. No, pretty much it's about as essential a function as you can get, and we just 
It's not just that we defund it. We just defer to the laziest possible. I don't know. Yeah. There's I mean, much, I'm sure uh, we you know, agree. I wish when you, would, when you were talking to Paul, you talked about the school system because he worked within the school system for quite a long time and has some fucking crazy insights into some of the fucking ways that... I mean, not just the amount of money that goes into it because like, but there's the amount of like bloat, the amount that, uh, you know, these um, administrators like just fucking line their pockets with dough, take all these needless trips to like, we're all going to learn this fucking, you know, new like learning technique over at this conference. But really, it's just an excuse to go on vacation and shit and have the fucking, you know, taxpayers foot the bill. And the textbooks um, are all made by, well, very often, yep. at least the history textbooks are made by conservative companies that ver that overprice everything and then, you know, drive out competitors so that all the schools are forced into buying from Monopoly and they update the texts every year. And yeah, Pearson. Um, yeah. You know, so some people have interpreted from my conversation with Paul that I wasn't particularly fond of Paul's ego. I hope he understands that I actually tremendously enjoyed. No, he did too. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. I, some I think people, he, yeah. he. I don't know if you saw it. I don't know if you have time to watch it because I know you stream like every waking moment of your life. But he actually did a stream after uh, your guys's uh, talk uh, about the concept of solidarity, where he built upon it, and he admitted that, like, look. Um, you know, I didn't really, when push came to shove, I didn't have good answers for a lot of the stuff Vosh asked me about. So I've been thinking about it and he's like, you know, developed his thoughts further. So I think he took it as a, a challenge to kind of flesh out his ideas a little more. Um, so I think that's about like, that's the best, that's the best possible result of an interaction with another human being. I feel like, I think I'd like to watch that very much. I, um, that's very uh, heartening to hear. I, um, yeah, I, I'm a fairly contentious person. I argue a lot. Um, no and, way you yeah and um and i so i i am sometimes this gets in the way i think of of forming like um uh um, Look, i was just talking about the same problem myself mind. watching videos and stuff like i was watching an old video of mine where i said some really fucking stupid shit and i was like man a lot of the reason i said this stupid shit i said was because when i'm watching someone else's video i'm just in a fucking like attack mode and i'm not being charitable and i'm not being i'm not thinking shit through i'm just like i have to destroy whatever is put in front of me and you know yeah. sometimes yeah. that doesn't sometimes it lead, i mean it can lead to very entertaining results and sometimes it can lead to really insightful results but also it can lead to some stupid shit so I um I I uh, I have to go and and probably send. Yeah, off me too. My I have viewers. a ton of donations to read. Yeah, so. of course, of course. I really appreciate you talking to me again. It's nice. No, I I appreciate you coming on because I mean I wanted to fucking talk about some of this stuff with you, and I feel like I'm glad I got it clarified because I was uh, really curious about this class reductionist shit and what you actually thought about it, and I feel like. You know, I suspected that if we, we got down into the minutiae of it, there wouldn't be as much disagreement as I initially suspected there there was. And I think that was correct. So uh, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. And uh, have a good night. Yeah, of course. Have a good night. And also to all the viewers in your chat who fucking hate me, I love you. And I'm going <laughs> to I'm working to build a better future so that you can get the educations that you would have needed earlier in life to not be the dumb fucks that you are. All right. <laughs> have a good one, TJ. You too, man. Have a good one. There was some people. <laughs> uh, there was um, <laughs> there was some people in his chat who were being very uncharitable to me. It's okay. I really, I really like TJ. Um, I really, really, really like TJ.